Beth, hello, how are you? Hi David, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay, thank you very much. And hello and welcome to All About Something to Declare listeners as well. We're really pleased you're here. We hope that you're well. And today we're beginning season three. I know, I can't believe it's at season three already. <laughs> Where did that time go? I know, I know. And I love that, you know, this, as we said right at the beginning of season one, you have some, it's always a lovely moment when an idea in a bar actually turns into something. But then the amount of things that you kind of do for five minutes and then they disappear as well. So to get to season three feels like, you know, we've made it to a new level of progress now. So I'm really well, pleased about that. And I, I just want to shout out to you, actually, because you are the person that puts in the work to make this happen <laughs> from all the administrative and organisational angles. And I really appreciate that. Um, Harry obviously does a lot of our editing beautifully as well, but but it is you the kind of other the kind of the driving force. And I'm grateful that I get to turn up and enjoy the fabulous chats rather than having to do lots of the work of it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, bless you. That's very kind. I enjoy it very much. And the best news is that in all our conversations, we've still got so many other people we'd love to chat with. So yeah. the, the future we'll looks right. <laughs> there are, despite the uh, sometime feeling of the contrary, which we probably won't dig into today too much, um, but there are a lot of wonderful people in Baptist life and we love being able to celebrate them and hear their stories. Now, before we get to our interview today, uh, I thought we'd just start with a little bit of a question to kick off the season, really. Beth, what is one thing that you are looking forward to? So this is really interesting. Uh, for David's just literally given me a 30-second uh, <laughs> head start that this is what he's going to be asking me. And I was like, ooh. Um, and it's perhaps telling, isn't it, that, um, that the kind of post-lockdown life might, I think, you know, holiday, I, I'm, I am really looking forward to time off with the kids over the summer um mm -hmm. and just time off over the summer actually just some some times of of deeper rest um and to do the kind of creative deep think work that you don't get a chance to do in the kind of reactive parts of life in the same way um but um i um one of the things i've found myself doing quite a lot over the last couple month or so is managing kind of the term time reactivity with some gardening and I am Ooh. not a very good gardener I would describe myself as my gardening style is good for bees um <laughs> I like that um it's it's not it's not something I am I'm very good at but I am trying I'm trying to just kind of quite literally ground myself in the garden mm. at the moment and um uh I so I I kind of find myself um like every time I plant things going into having a look to see if they've grown yet and like obviously they haven't because it's like two two hours ago that I've planted the seeds um but it's um it's it's really curious that I think I've I, we started because Theo did some plants at school and then it kind of grew out of that um it probably grew out of um so I find myself kind of slightly childlike about the whole thing it's kind of creative and um yeah it's been so that's like a really small but quite precious joy in my world at the moment is like putting around the garden and especially at, at the end of the day with like boys and I water the plants together and and just they really love that and um uh yeah it's sort of like a kind of bit of a routine and it's just really nice oh well that sounds rather delightful <laughs> um I confess to loathing gardening with a with a passion um <laughs> but even even to me that sounds delightful um which is good, which is good. Oh, well, so I look forward to perhaps we can have some updates on your on your plants well, over I, the course of the season. They may just die. I'll probably oh, okay. forget about them. All right. 
Well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely experimental. <laughs> experimental gardening works for me. Um, well, I am in the immediate future, I guess, I'm trying to think I'm looking forward to spending Saturday uh, this week on Canvey Island because, you know, where else would you want to spend a Saturday? Uh, because my daughter is in a, a football tournament all day and I love watching my kids play sports and um, they've been involved in running athletic stuff and uh, uh, lots and lots of football. They both play for football teams and uh, I only shout encouraging things from the sidelines, very positive, very affirming, very cheering. But I do find it near impossible to just watch. Uh, I do find myself getting increasingly vocal as it goes on. And in fact, after the last tournament, I, I did find my voice wasn't quite as um, <laughs> capable afterwards. So that was a, a remark. I thought I hadn't realised quite how much I must have been <laughs> talking and shouting. But yeah, it's all very positive, all very positive. And then slightly longer term, I've just started to be, I've got a sabbatical next year. Mm. Uh, for which I'm very grateful already. Um, I'm starting to think about where I might go, what I might do, um, what I might read. Uh, I've already started a reading pile mm. for the next year. Hopefully I'll read between now and then, but you know, these are things I'll read then. And I've got a special notebook, which I'm writing down all my ideas in as well. So mm. I'm looking forward to that. If there's any top tips from our listeners about things they did on their sabbatical or things they did that they wish they hadn't done uh, as well, then let us mm. know. Um, I'm on the sabbaticals for doing as little as possible end of the spectrum, as in they're for refreshing and renewal and uh, restorative things. And uh, I'm not doing a project. I'm not writing a report. So uh, yes. Yes. Amen to that. Because like, <laughs> can I, you know, what is the Sabbath actually meant to be? It's about rest. It is about exactly. rest, you know, and the pinnacle of creation is God rests. And I think, you know, we, we need to reclaim that. Definitely. Amen. And talking of the wonders of creation, one of the wonders uh, of uh, Baptist life is without a doubt our guest today, which is none other than Amanda Alcorn. I'm delighted that Amanda agreed to come on the podcast. Amanda's been a good friend and a real blessing, certainly uh, in the time I've been in ministry, and we're grateful for her. And I just love the fact that someone clearly so professionally competent and capable, yet yeah, beyond the church world, was willing to hear the call and come serve the union. And we need more of that. And it was just, yeah so blessed to have had Amanda doing that and she's doing exciting things now as well so we're going to hear a bit about that so let's head over and hear what Amanda had to say. Well Amanda welcome to the Something to Declare podcast. Well, thank, thank you for inviting me. It feels very grown up and uh, very humbling as well. So thank you very much, David. Oh, we're really, really pleased uh, to have you um, on. And I was thinking back to when uh, we first met and I can't remember quite when it was. I do. I think my earliest memory might be back in the days when ministers at college got a tour of Baptist House yep. and coming to the communications department that had Maltesers. For yes. Us. Yeah. <laughs> finance didn't have Maltesers, you no, know, but communications no. had Maltesers and and we were smitten with all things comms uh, from that moment on, really. Yeah. And it was brilliant because I must admit, one of the highlights for me, my team, 
um, I think in the end, there about eight of us. And um, I think we got to cakes one year, actually. I oh, think you, wow. I, I think you might have missed the little cupcakes. But um, <laughs> but it was just great because we realised we were all under a lot of pressure, probably knackered and very sugar low. So we just felt and actually one of the real joys of that, David, was just the relationships in those few minutes that were formed. Because, um, as you might remember, sadly, one of my roles when I was at the union was working alongside churches when things went wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, helping to guide them through media problems and that kind of thing. But so it's a very special time. Yeah, Maltese is moving on to cupcakes uh, later on before <laughs> I left. <laughs> These are the important things. Yes, I remember that being briefed about what to do hmm. you know, if an emergency press release and things like that were were needed. Thankfully, I never needed this, this, the, the help in that time. But uh, those things can be really big. I think I remember everything going on with Norman Kemba as well yeah. that was quite a big thing for you for the team wasn't it when oh it was it was massive and mm-hmm. you know I landed in September 2005 mm. and the very beginning I think it was around November my phone went red hot one Monday morning driving into Didcot and very sadly it was all to do with this Baptist who had been um arrested and was being held captive um in Iraq along with um th- three other people and so yeah I mean it was a huge journey for six months but you know God taught me so much about um both crisis media but also about people's lives and the vulnerability of churches at that time and thankfully as you know we got Norman home one of sadly one of the um hostages uh, was murdered but uh, Norman came came home safely just in time for Mother's Day uh, yeah. the following I think the following year so yeah it was a huge time and mm-hmm. um something I'll still remember you know yeah of course that kind of thing stick, sticks with you yeah. Um, and I was thinking uh, as well. One of your one of your chums at the time, perhaps in Baptist House, would have been uh, Paul Goodliffe, one of your other yes. heads. Of one. And Paul's just retired as General Secretary of Churches Together in England. Yeah. Uh, and you're quite involved in CTE things, aren't you? So I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that and and what you do and what's big on the agenda for CTE yes. at the moment. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, if you listeners, I know we'll, we'll, we'll know that Paul's retired. He was general secretary four years. And I had one of those phone calls, you know, just about three and a half years ago. Um, the board of CT, um, following on from the Theos report about the life of CT and what perhaps could change and make more relevant for churches and organisations, um, realised that we needed they needed a couple of trustees who had specialisms. So one of them was media and communications to be more vocal in the marketplace and to be more relevant. And another area was finance. So Paul came and asked me whether I might have, you know, a bit of capacity to actually become a trustee. And my background is a bit crazy, really. Um, When I was on the diaconate at church, they joked that I, I, it's like I had an insurance policy for when I got to heaven. (laughs) <laughs> because I come, I come, I was originally a Catholic in primary school years. Sadly, my father died, um, became an Anglican, which was my mother's tradition. And then I met my husband in a Baptist youth group when we were about 19, 18, 19. So then the rest was history. We got married. But, um, but I got involved in church together because I've always believed in ecumenism. And um, here in England, I'm very much part of the Baptist family. I'm, I'm recognised as a Baptist representative on the board of trustees. And um, I'm actually doing my second term now, which is wonderful. So as Paul uh, retired, I mean, he'll be probably busier than ever. But as he retired and we welcome Mike Royal 
uh, both at the Forum, um, which is a big um, three-year, four-yearly event, which brings the presence together, and also at the Enabling Group last week, which brings, it's rather like a council, it brings together representatives um, who are a smaller group um, that actually speak on behalf of churches together. So yeah, uh, as Paul retired, um, you know, I really felt that having said yes to a second term, because I think you have to really kind of ask that question if it's right. It just felt right because Mike comes from the cinema network. And in fact, today, as we're speaking, um, it is actually a day called the Candle of Justice Day. And um, uh, we've been asking people to light a candle in their homes um, to recognise the issues around um, um, racial justice. And, you know, it was only, what, sort of two years ago um, that uh, um, George Floyd was murdered. And from that was just such a huge um, opportunity, but sadly, a massive need to actually bring people together to really come behind an understanding. As we know, it became a global movement. And rather than ignore that, not that we would, we wanted very much... Um, to establish something that in churches together we've done a few times now, where we have days which we call either Candle of Hope or Candle of Justice. And um, Shamara, who's our um, Pentecostal um, charismatic and racial justice um, uh, principal officer, um, has been one of the masterminds behind that today. So um, yeah, it's that there are some really important things happening that churches together can Mm. Um, enable alongside other denominations yeah um, can I ask a very naive sounding question and uh, please don't hear this as uh, any lack of enthusiasm for ecumenism because I'm fully sold and signed up and everything so yeah. how does CTE relate to CTBI so churches together in England and churches together in Britain and Ireland what's what how do you how do you know which is which yeah like, do you see what I mean well, it's funny you should say that because um, I, I seem to have a bit of a, when I, when, when I begin a, a different area of a calling, like when I came to the Baptist Union, I start thinking of really kind of unusual and awkward questions. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, um, that was on my mind too, because I'd heard, I mean, I've got in my bookcase here at home, my study, I've got zillions of um, uh, Lent courses from CTBI. Um, you know, I, I just kept them because the resources are so good, you know, and um, and uh, I was asking that question, and the way it was explained to me by Paul Goodliffe, actually, was that um, CTBI generally is more outward-facing beyond the UK, and um, CTE, Churches Together in England, as opposed to Scotland, Wales, or Ireland, um, is very focused on the inward journey of churches and whether ecumenical officers are actually... Um, uh, working to encourage local communities like ours in Kings Langley, where I live, you know, to work more closely together, whether it's on food banks or things like Christian aid, you know, to actually encourage that relationship. So, so no, it's, it's not a strange question to ask at all. But the most important thing I think alongside that is because uh, CTE is very much, um, uh, I won't say it's not an organisation, um, because it's there to enable people to meet and to um, of the forums and meeting places and an opportunity for people to be represented. Um, we work very closely with CTBI. So actually, 
the relationship is very strong. Um, so yeah, um, whilst I'm not really too involved in any of the CTBI activity, the partnership is very close or the collaboration. And, um, you know, I think that the resources they sometimes are producing, we will very much um, put, put out in our sort of e-news so that um, churches can get hold of them. And, uh, you know, um, whether it's a special Sunday or a special kind of um, event, we are very good at signposting. And um, one of the first things I did when I came to churches together, which Paul and the trustees wanted me to do, was to lift the CTE uh, external communications, particularly into a new era with a new website and e-cons, so that actually people can access information about these resources. So, no, no, it's not at all naive. And I wish more people would ask that question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah. I understand it now. I don't know how long I've <laughs> finally understand it, which is great. Oh, phew. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, one of the other places where you're putting your... Uh, skills and gifts to good use I know is with Parish Nursing UK I'd love to chat to you a bit about that we're very pro parish nursing here in our church we have a parish nurse she's the best thing since last bread as far as we're concerned uh, and we've seen the impact that parish nursing has had I mean we have there are people in our community who quite frankly wouldn't be alive now were it not for the interest yes. of our parish nurse and absolutely it, it's also a wonderful way of I don't know, half the patients are in the wider community, half of them are in the church. You know, it kind of knits things together for us really, really well. Right. But uh, tell us about uh, what uh, you do with Paris Nursing and, and how that all came to be and, and what's going on. Yeah, um, I, I first knew of Parish Nursing actually when I worked at the Baptist Union because in, in that autumn of 2005, um, a Baptist minister that many people know, Helen um, Wordsworth, um, who was also a trained nurse, launched this new charity, Parish Nursing. And um, it's very much to help churches link their mission, as you would know, with practical care and love and support for people in the community in the area of health and well-being, uh, mental health as well as physical. And um, I, was, I was approached by Jonathan Edwards, one of our general secretaries. Um, in fact, I was approached probably about 18 months ago and um, he asked if I'd be able to consider that. And at the time, I was holding a few other trusteeships and other projects. And I said no a few times. But, you know, during all this COVID and mm. the pandemic, um, we, I had two lockdown granddaughters. So grandchild number two and three actually arrived. Um, uh, it's probably, in fact, two and a half years ago now, he asked me. So two years ago, um, uh, Amelia arrived and two and a half years um, no. 18 months ago, Eliana arrived. And the reason I say that is because each time, obviously we were really concerned about their health and how they'd be. And I, I, I prayed again about that request and I was asked again. And I just said, yeah, you know, it's a small charity. And um, Helen retired a couple of years ago and we have a new CEO, um, Sue, and um, she's been given as a trustee, she's been with other trustees, which is a very small group. Again, we've been recruiting new trustees to actually enable this to grow because we see not just with the pandemic, and as you will see, that the combination of mind, body and soul and, mm. you know, and actually being able to reach people in um, where they are in their communities, either in the church or outside the church is huge. And so I became involved uh, partly because Jonathan asked me again, but also God was doing something new. And, um, you know, I've had one or two health things going on in the last two years, too. And I've been so blessed by the, um, 
the care of both nurses and doctors, I thought, you know, God's given me this background. And again, it wasn't just to do communications and media this time. It was actually to do with um, strategic fundraising, which I've been doing the last few years too. Um, so in getting involved, um, it, it, God often calls me into roles which have got to go through a new big step change. It's a new time for new vision and, and pioneering new things. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, the, um, the thing I love about this charity is that um, we're hoping by the end of this year to have 100 parish nurses. Uh, most of them will work alone in, in either in the church or in the community. And they are either volunteers or they're funded through the local church, maybe through a mission um, budget line in the church. And um, they're very much part of the church's life, again, as you, you would know. And we have a few parish nurses on uh, the um, south side of Essex on the coast there. And the projects, you know, vary um, very much from um, where there might be a dementia drop-in centre or um, an exercise class. But alongside that, the parish nurse is there to either be an advocate or to actually help um, to actually do something practical. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I had COVID about six weeks ago. Um, and um, so I think what's really precious is that um, as I've got more involved, I think I'm being much more blessed than actually what I can do. And I was able to help the, the trustees and CEO to achieve quite a big grant, which will last over three years to grow parish nursing um, in the south and in the north as well and possibly wales oh, <coughs> so, wales as well excellent yeah yeah so because it's a uk charity yeah yeah, yeah 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 so we have scotland here where's church together in england i have to be kind of very focused on that <laughs> you know, we, we can go go large um so yeah so it's it's the nurses are all a professional they have to keep up their accreditation and we've got a few queen's nurses as well Mm. And you were at the Parish Nursing Symposium, the sort of biannual gathering uh, recently as well. What, what was that like? Well, it was just wonderful. Um, I did catch COVID there, but that's another story. Ah. <laughs> um, the symposium, um, I guess in, in other kind of language, it's a conference, it's a gathering, it's a training opportunity. And um, the actual... Um, the actual conference itself was sort of over nearly three days. Um, I found it incredibly humbling, actually, because um, the way the programme being put together, the theme was wise and wonderful. And um, it really struck me as I we sat in small groups as, you know, I was sitting with Catherine from your church. Um, the incredible range of things that the nurses are involved in, but um, their spirituality as well. Um, but within the conference, we did actually cover... Uh, mental health, aging. Um, we covered um, some of the bigger issues um, that um, will happen in a local community from following the pandemic. So um, actually, as some people became very isolated during the pandemic, how um, nurses are actually able to bridge a lot of divides in, in reaching people. Um, some of it was very practical. So, so across the three days, I think sort of the, the thing that, again, was really powerful was that one afternoon was actually spent going off into different groups. So some of them went to learn much more about resuscitation. So that helps towards their, their, their personal development. Um, and some of them were doing other things in, in that sort of vein, which was part of their professional life and networking together because they work very much on their own. So 
it's very much valued this sort of time together and fellowship. Um, we had someone talking about the effects of long COVID and mm. she has a small charity called Chrysalis. And again, this huge um, area that now a lot of people in the nursing professions are actually wrestling with as people go through the effects of that. And it's not just physical, it's obviously, you know, there's a lot of um, emotional and practical problems for people's lives. Um, I led a, a session um, on hands and about sort of uh, teaching people hand massaging. It's not my background, but we stepped in for another parish nurse who had COVID and how to do that with the dying and how to do that with um, people who are maybe very elderly or just don't have anyone touching them at all. And so one of our parish nurses did that side of it. And I took over and as part of my spiritual direction background, um, uh, led a session on hands and about Jesus's hands and um, so at that moment we they laid ev literally put everything down they'd had their hand massage massage and get, get them to visualize Jesus's hands and their hands and the people that they touch and it really I, I ran it twice and uh, I was amazed how God spoke to some of the nurses and how they came up afterwards and God was visiting them and the Holy Spirit was sort of really touching areas they needed to share and have prayer for because it's also a pastoral event you know um, if there are things that they're holding that they haven't been able to share um, it's a way during that that few those few days um, that that can happen um, but um, the um, one that we're planning next which will be now in 18 months time we're changed moving the timing around a bit because the autumn is probably a bit better um, we're already starting to think about how we do that and what we can learn from this one. But we can bring government ministers in on Zoom. And, you know, if I'm honest, I've forgotten the name of the person we had on Zoom, but it was someone who's very important within the health structures, who was really kind of um, in government, who um, was really championing the importance of parish nursing. And um, we're just thinking about that, to, to who nowadays is hybrid, it's I mean, it's, it's come out of something sad, but it's brilliant, isn't it? Because you can have a government minister. This government minister was being hounded by the, one of his um, um, aides, I think, to sort of either go into um, the House of Parliament or something. But, um, yeah, so, so the fellowship and the sharing and the talking and the praying for people as a trustee, um, it gave me an opportunity to uh, just listen. And, in, you know, when we weren't in session, but... Um, uh, yeah, so I, I learned a lot. I've been a trustee a year now, and um, I came away with a much deeper understanding of what we need to be thinking of as trustees. The hand massage uh, mm. you mentioned. We uh, earlier today I led a, a funeral, and uh, one of the people sharing in the service spoke about how her mum had been having somebody come in and do this with her sort of mm -hmm. weekly um, while she's been receiving palliative care and and what a difference it made so it was interesting I, and I hadn't really come across it and then this morning had heard that mentioned and now you mentioned it there so um, that's uh, something that's been firmly put on, on my radar uh, today mm -hmm. Um, but as part of that, you mentioned your uh, spiritual uh, direction. And yeah. I know that's something that you've been uh, training and growing and developing. And you've got a whole ministry uh, yeah. now, um, uh, ecumenical as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, tell us a, a bit about like, what sort of, uh, 
tell us about the call in, into spiritual direction and uh, uh, what it what it looks like for you. I guess I guess I'll just take us in, in just a couple of little directions to bring it all together. Um, my professional career was in Barclays Community Affairs, the last big chunk of it. And um, I was based in Lombard Street at the head office, which, which was then. It overlooked a city church around the back of the, the building. So there's that. Piece. Then we moved to Canary Wharf. And I remember an old friend who was head of them Faith and Unity at the Baptist Union saying how there was something called spiritual direction going on in this ancient church, very ancient church. And we moved to Canary Wharf. I then came to the Baptist Union as head of comms. Um, so there's that side of things. But I've always had a deep love of mentoring people and growing people, whether in a team or whether it's someone a bit younger who just needs that confidence to grow. And also women's ministry was, was very much growing. And as so I came to a church a few years ago and involved yeah. with the women's conference, um, here come the girls, you know, it was just a lovely and very special time to not just enjoy that ministry, but to really watch women spiritually. And um, I'd been a pastoral deacon at the church as well in the past. Um, so the calling, um, 2015, um, I was with a friend of mine who's a very deep uh, friend of mine in France, um, who is now an Anglican priest. Um, and um, I, it, it sounds very great, very sort of, sort of um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but we were in her kitchen uh, sort of um, in the Dordogne and overlooking this beautiful landscape and <laughs> with a bottle of wine. And um, she said, um, she said, have you ever thought of becoming a spiritual director? I used to listen to her a lot because she'd been widowed quite young to uh, six, I know, three children. Um, um, well, they were young adults. Um, and it took me by surprise because it took me back to some of the things I'd already been doing and had spiritual direction for in the past. And uh, so I signed up to a three-year course um, at this London Centre of Spiritual Direction, which was in Lombard Street. Um, and called the encounter course and um, as I did that and I went to the interview um, they when I had the interview that we talked about you know our backgrounds and I said I had never went to university but I did go to the university of life <laughs> and um, so the, the calling came out of something that was already there which often God does I think mm -hmm. and at that stage I started taking in taking on directees in the proper sense of direction um, one of my tutors who was uh, involved who is involved in Southwark Cathedral said to me Amanda you're not interviewing them you're supposed <laughs> to be listening um which some people who might be listening would think that's quite funny really um but um yeah so I, my journey of training started then it was an intensive three years and um I knew absolutely from the word get go that God was calling this into me into this area for the future and it's very, I see it very much as a sort of journey with people, accompanying people in their spiritual journey, very much a women's ministry apart from one person um, who slipped through the net. Um, and my directees are generally women in the second part of their lives, in their 50s upwards. And um, some are still in, in professional lives, got a lawyer. Um, um, I've got, uh, and also um, I've got three, uh, two Baptist ministers and um, a retired businesswoman. And they're all leaders actually, as it happens. And in France, I've got um, three people in ministry, three women in Anglican ministry, two, um, or one's ordained and one, two aren't, they're deacons, right from Northern France down to the um, Bordeaux area. Um, and um, I, I tend to see them since 
since COVID online. Tomorrow I happen to be meeting one after churches together board meeting in, in um, Tavistock Square. I'm meeting her in the, the British Library. And um, uh, I see them about every six weeks. Um, but the journey with them and the training is very much to help them to drop levels, you know, to drop down from how are you, what have you been doing, right down to the movements of God in their lives and to encourage them to, to stay with areas that might not feel very comfortable, um, but God can start changing and, and healing them, but also to help them in times of decision-making. Um, that seems to be a key feature of direction when people are wrestling with where God's leading next. Um, and I, I tend to use quite a lot of Ignatian um, uh, support for that. Yeah, well, I mean, and the British Library, what a great place to be for <laughs> spiritual direction. I, I, I love the sound of that. And yeah, I, I think it's such a, a valuable thing to have that space. And particularly when perhaps you have positions of, of responsibility and you can't, there's certain things you just can't share with the team that you're leading yes. or, or in a church that you're leading, you know, and you need that other space to go and, and process. And um, I don't know uh, how it works for you or with your uh, directees, but, but for me, I'm an external processor. So mm. it's only when I sit and talk it through with someone that I actually work out what's really going on, but you need that space in order to, to do that. Mm. It's so, so valuable to carve that time. Mm. I, I think. It is, and, and even sitting here in my, in my study here, um, um, one of my previous directors, because you don't always journey with them for a long, long time. Sometimes, you know, God's just called you together for a while. And she and her husband moving, and he's in Baptist ministry, and she's in Baptist, um, involved in Baptist life. And um, uh, we, I remember sitting here, she's very visual. She used to draw things for me. Mm-hmm. And her home, she, she came here because her house was just full of packing cases. And um, actually, that's one of the other things I think is really important. There's some people you need to be more visual with. And I just have this picture in my mind of her life where some of these boxes wouldn't get emptied, where she was moving a much smaller place. Some of them were still open, waiting for things to go in. And some of them she had, couldn't have got a clue what were in them. Um, but, but the reason I mentioned that was it helped her to sift through. As so I was perhaps offering a few, and we offer, we don't tell, you know. Mm. Um, offer a few images and images around maps and where she's going she was able to really kind of um, just think more deeply about what was important at this stage and what would happen when she moved to this new church where her husband was moving as a minister and what that would mean for her you know Um, and uh, as a woman and very gifted in church life whether she should be as involved in the new church or whether actually some of her professional background should take more of a priority um, so hence the boxes and mm-hmm. so so God sh- people often say to me gosh that's really helped me to connect and to sift a bit and but I, th- I thank you for saying what you said a moment ago because if there one of the things that um, even online I'll leave silence which feels weird but sometimes I've just sat quietly for five minutes we always light a candle at each end if we're not together and um, uh, whoever I'm with and um, just allow some silence and during the pandemic, I had people in tears, you know, and not just people in ministry, but they, I grab a resource I've got in my bookcase near me just to read a psalm or something, but then just allow them to sit quietly and let God hold them, you know, 
um, because um, as we know, not obviously family or just feeling totally um, lost. Um, and it's just wonderful when you see God changing people. Um, so I feel very blessed to be doing this ministry. And so my, my own supervisor, who's South African, thinks that I've got, he, he says, you've got quite a few directees, Amanda. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'd be lousy ever letting go of any of them because, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's something I see growing. And I think for women in leadership, particularly, as you said, it can sometimes be a really lonely place on a male diaconate or um, a male leadership team. And um, if there's an opportunity just for an hour to feel that it's a safe space, um, then that's a very humbling thing to offer. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm um, no doubt that they're being thoroughly blessed by, by the direction that they're, they're getting uh, from you. Um, Amanda, now everyone who comes on the podcast, we always ask them the same two questions and one of the joys of this is that um beth and i both uh love hearing the answers to to these questions um and so i'd like to ask them to you now mm -hmm. if that's okay sure. the first one is if you had one thing to declare to the union at this moment in time what would it be as i've reflected on that um what really, really hit me big time that it did when I was at the Union, it always has done, which is why I feel very much at home in the Baptist tradition, is the, the phrase about walking together and watching over each other. And is it? A, I think it is a declaration, it's an encouragement that um, as people within not just the pandemic, but in, in church life and outside of church life, you know, perhaps not going to church at the moment, um, this huge importance of relationship and having time for each other. And um, so to declare that is a principle to hold really, really close to you and to, to understand in your own life um, how that um, is in your now, as we're not really out of the pandemic, it's just not so obvious now, you know? Um, and um, so journeying together and what I'm, I'm really, I think I've seen illustrations of that from assembly. I didn't go, but I've seen ways that people are sitting, talking and listening to each other and uh, whatever, it's do, whatever it's to do with, whether it's their sexual orientation or whether it's to do with their gender or um, whether it's to do with inequality um, Racially, I think the, the J-Pit is another illustration of that. That's really something that um, to really champion. So I think that one of the things, so that that's a bit clearer, I think I'd love to, I'd love to declare, but underneath that, really hold it as a precious thing, the tradition of walking together and to watch over each other. And in local groups, maybe where Baptist ministers or leaders aren't really meeting to do that, to actually kind of be there for each other, because the Baptist tradition has a flexibility and an equality that I don't see quite. I do see it in other traditions, but I feel it in a slightly different way um, within the Baptist family. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm making notes here. I, uh, <laughs> Good for you. I've got mine in front of me. <laughs> I, I must remember to say that at some point. I like that. Um, and our second question is, and I guess from your ecumenical stuff, you might have a, a really interesting perspective on this. If you 
think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world in this moment, what would it be? Do you know, because I, I, I talk far too much, um, uh, I, I was finding it hard to drill down to exactly how I'd say it. And it's partly through churches together. It is actually partly to be very much so because we're involved in Ukraine and we formed a round table to bring people together to really think about um, how we respond to issues of Ukraine. And, and so to declare, I think, to the world, I went to Micah 6 and about justice, mercy and loving um, each other and um, just to drop underneath that a bit if I may I went to Ukraine six years ago with Joshua Self from Spurgeon's College okay, yeah. and it was very much a Baptist um, humanitarian mission uh, visit and um, met Ukrainian Baptists and unfortunately the eight areas that we started in Irpin was totally blown to smithereens at the beginning of the war we went to um, uh, Dnipro Zafaritsa and to the east and to what I saw illustrated in what I can see now is just a devastated country and the work I've seen EBF doing and other organizations and aid um, I, I would declare to the world that Baptists are, are in the places where God needs them with their hands and feet and their hearts and souls um, really kind of prepared to take risks and to not just not not only in ukraine um, and, and poland and slovakia and countries around ukraine um, but um to be where christ needs them to be in a hurting world mm. um, so yeah micah 6 is the passage that i felt very led to and within my own experience knowing that a lot of the people particularly in the east that we were with um, they already had refugees that some of the people we met in refugee camps were already refugees in their own country six, six years ago and um, so we served them and we bought medicine and food and clothes and um, for me that was a huge taste of Baptists um, where the need was beyond anything that I'd ever imagined and that's what Baptists are doing BMS and you know other organizations so yeah, my own personal heart and experience, and we've carried on being involved in very much a Baptist Ukraine mission, Dnipro mission. My husband's the chair of that now, uh, mm -hmm. with with Joshua. Mm -hmm. um, is that just 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 do it? You know, if God says go, you know, just do it. And um, so yeah, so maybe a little bit of left field and right field there, but actually at the heart of that. Um, the world will notice when Baptists are actually there in difficult places and God will work and he will touch people's lives. Wonderful. Love that. Thank you so much uh, for that and for being on uh, Something to Declare. It's fabulous to talk with you and, and hear about some of the stuff that you're up to. And uh, I look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much, David. It's been a privilege. Thank you. So, Beth, that was uh, my little chat with Amanda. Uh, what did you make of that? 
Oh, yeah. So it's really, really interesting. I always think we, I do podcasts because I'm incredibly nosy. In fact, I think I'm in middle school because I'm incredibly nosy. Um, and uh, and I, I, Amanda's one of those names that I remember from Baptist, like life when I was exploring a quarter ministry and then became a minister, that Amanda's name was on things, you know, or she would be at mm-hmm. things. Um, and so just on a sheer nosiness level and kind of curiosity, it was just really interesting to hear what, her life has been since kind of seeing her in that kind of that public place mm. of Baptist life to kind of yeah what she's what she's been doing and it's just interesting isn't it just to kind of catch up on her story and where she is and what's going on so I think just um yeah it was really nice because I think it's one of yeah like you say when it, when it's not somebody you necessarily know personally and so you wouldn't like have a kind of personal connection to say hey you know whatever you know what what did you do after this um so to actually be able to hear that was lovely and really Mm. interesting am I right David in thinking that you actually uh know Amanda a little better yeah I so when I was started on Baptist Union camps I guess was where I first got to know Amanda sort of better because she was head of comms at the time and it was just always good company always enjoyed being on her table at dinner you know it's just mm. someone who brings life and energy but also real wisdom and uh, uh, expertise to all the, the conversations so yeah just got to know Amanda through that really and then you know keep in touch via Facebook and all those sorts of things and uh, she's always doing lots of really interesting things so with the work with CTE uh, fantastic to hear about that because really mm. know that much about that to be honest hence my sort of naive sounding questions when I was talking to her about it. So yeah, and just someone who I felt very blessed to to get to know. Haven't uh, seen us much recently. Neither of us are in those roles anymore. So uh, we haven't had much um, uh, contact in comparison, but I have a renewed sense of friendship with Amanda having had the conversation actually. So Mm. we're going to be hopefully keeping up uh, more uh, in the uh, uh, weeks and years uh, to come. Really? Sorry, I was, I was going to say that really, I think one of the things um, that she really talked about, wasn't it, was that kind of watching over and mm. walking together, actually being so much of what we are about as Baptist life, actually, that kind of, um, I think she used the phrase kind of holding it preciously, which I thought was very lovely, um, mm. that the kind of um, something about this being something that we are in the way we are union um and that's something we really need to you know that we develop at all different levels and is really mm. the thing that we're we are kind of um the way we do it as baptist being a particularly important gift ecumenically to the world actually um yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and um, i think a man said about making space to sit and listen to each other about the importance of associating it was so lovely to hear someone articulate that and articulate it so so well and you, you usually we have come out of every interview going oh I'd be really happy if they were my minister. Um, and I would also be very happy if Amanda was my minister, but given that that's not the ministry she's exercising at the moment, uh, let me say, I'd be really pleased if she was in my church <laughs> or, or on my leadership team. What a blessing Amanda would be. Um, hence her serving on the boards and doing these different things. I know parish nursing have been really blessed by her work and all mm. sorts of people really. She, uh, she's just a good person to have around. Yeah. And I think the real proof that um, so many um roles that happen are that are deeply deeply vocational are not necessarily ordained ministry because yes. I think um we have a habit of looking at really competent lay people and going we'll ordain you 
<laughs> because that's sort of what we know to do with competence. Yeah, with always oh, sometimes I think you know I I, mm. I like reading all stuff on the Ministry of Incompetence a lot, but um, but I um I think you know the kind of sometimes that like, we see somebody with really great gifts and often leadership gifts and skills like that that we kind of we can kind of immediately jump to kind of a particular vocational dynamic and I mm. think what I really appreciate in her ministry is like you say this this competence that's different and extremely vocational like she is living out the call of Christ on her life but in yeah. a way that um that patterns slightly differently and um mm. and I think I you know thinking about I you know I, I first put a kind of her her face to her name on that tour of Baptist house, you know, when that we used to go on back in the back in the dark ages when you were at college, you used to go on a tour of Baptist house and you'd have this day of kind of <laughs> showing everybody. Um and um and I think one of the things that um you know I I really remember from I remember her from that, you know, I remember her telling us about kind of what to do in kind of different media crises mm. and what kind of advice we could get and all that kind of thing. And just remembering it is really useful. Um, but kind of, yeah, the thing I then obviously then working in Baptist House for a while really appreciated the deep level of uh vocation that every single person had there that the yes. people were there because they were living out their call um and that um you know we don't think about in the same way necessarily all the time and I think people think Baptist houses is some sort of an anonymous place and space um and actually obviously now everybody's much more remote working and it's a bit less in a house and much more everywhere else but um or in homes um and I think yeah, it's really interesting to me that actually, you know, one of the gifts of being there was always realizing that the person on the other end of the email is a human being and mm-hmm. um, uh, as well, but also, you know, so you might be emailing something at, but actually you were talking to somebody who's worked long and hard and persistently on very long standing things. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and like they bring all of with them um and uh, yeah i mean i think yeah they're all incredibly brilliant people i just want to give them a little shout out because i think it's pretty yeah. hard time sometimes in baptist life so yeah Thank god you. bless uh, the folks at baptist <laughs> house absolutely right and um, one thing before we uh, finish up today um and introduce our blessing for the season as well i thought it might be worth and it very much flows out of talking about that and amanda's passion for associating being together uh, one thing that's happened between season two and season three of, of the podcast is we've had a baptist assembly and obviously we've not been able to be together in quite that way for you know a little while because of the pandemic um and i was very grateful for your company and you know we sat next to each other during the agm uh, session on the saturday morning um but i think talking about it a bit we both had a I don't quite know how to describe it. Were we? Is it fair to say we were both a little bit hesitant about going, or not quite sure what we were going into? I don't know. It, it didn't. We didn't both walk in with a hooray, I'm here. Although actually, when I think about it, I did feel that because there's lots of gorgeous people I got to go and see, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah, there was lots of really positive things, but there was just a a slight hesitation in that. And I mean, is that yeah. is that fair to say? Yeah, that's definitely fair to say. I um. I think well, it's the move from being inside of something to outside of something is is different because um, I think you recognise in a new way what 
when you when you're inside of something everything is assumed because you've been talking about it for so long that you will know what's going on and what's happening and I think I felt that sense of I don't really know what's happening and um so it's a bit of that anyway um but I think also and I kind of where's my place and space within this now because mm. I would have been working this <laughs> and now I'm not and it's a different a different thing um and uh, I think especially um though it's, it's more of a comment isn't it on as we kind of regroup um as a uni as, as Baptist together um and actually come together for the first time post-pandemic I think I am aware of how different I am post-pandemic mm. how much you know I have grown and changed and you know formed um and potentially deformed <laughs> in that process and and I think you know kind of coming back in um and thinking how is this going to feel how am I going to relate how is this going to work mm. and the sense that the union is also doing a lot of that forming and reforming and storming and norming stuff as well um and so where do we fit what's it going to be what's the vibe going to be how comfortable will I be how yeah how I, I think all of those questions really, um, which were mostly emotional questions. I really, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm talking about this and it's very relational. It's very emotional. I, I don't think, you know, I wasn't going in thinking kind of like, um, oh, I've got a theological question or whatever, but actually kind of <laughs> just a sense of kind of like, oh, I, yeah, how am I, how is it going to be? Where will I fit? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's, and it's interesting to think about how other people might experience that or some of those similar feelings um, in terms of just getting more involved with things in church life, actually, you know, people in congregations and things like that as well. I think, as you say, we're perhaps in some ways less has changed than we thought over the last two or three years, but in other ways, a lot more has changed than we thought. And it's not just pandemic related. Um, there's all sorts of other things going on in the world um, that are shaping us and impacting how we do life together. And I think that does impact all those things. I'm obviously not, I wasn't involved at a Baptist house and not been on staff for anything other than a local church um, in ministry. But uh, stepping out of council uh, last year, having done that for a very long time, uh, I guess, uh, and having been involved in the association as moderator for a while before that as well, um, just have that sense of I I'm here for the first time in quite a long time without any formal role in anything um mm. and there was something wonderfully liberating about that um but also it is odd <laughs> it is really really odd and i think um i don't think it's the sort of thing that will happen with us because we're both deliberately and intentionally you know very connected to our baptist movement but i can see how it, people can very easily become detached it's very easy if you just don't quite catch the design guys, the mood of what assembly's trying to do on one particular occasion. We were saying we love assembly's attempt at being creative this year. You know, some things yeah. might have worked better than others, but you know, four marks to the team for trying different things. And, and I we loved that. We both appreciated that. But I could I could see how you could miss that in some way and and all of a sudden just not feel as connected. I, I don't think we do relational stuff that well anyway, beyond all sorts of things. But I think there's a just a it, there's a real if you don't if you're not intentional about being connected it's very easy to get disconnected I think was one of my things coming away from it but uh, but I, yeah I enjoyed being there I'm glad I went Bournemouth was beautiful and there were lots of great people so you know that's the main takeaway but um 
there's yeah, yeah. It, it just struck me that it would be very easy to be disconnected very quickly and I think isn't it it, it was the bits that you know the bits that got me through assembly that were like oh here here I am <laughs> here mm. is God here I am this is where we're going to be um were always I was always um handshake moment yes yes just wept as several beautiful friends finally got handshakes and mm. um be able to run around and give them hugs and just delight in them being in this union with us like because it mm. is the gift of you know they're, they're such a gift and I think you know to to have been able to welcome them was, was in a kind of formal way like that was just really important um recognizing them in their role isn't it it's that kind of roleness mm. and not roleness but also recognizing as the human beings they are that I get to be kind of covenanted alongside and then um I think, yeah, I I enjoyed a lot also kind of making some making the new friends as well. Cause I think one of the joys of assembly is, is the, the inevitable corridor kind of conversation. Yeah. That happens. <laughs> yes, yes. And and I always feel I end up very doing very little in the kind of main program stuff. And I just end up in the corridor things. And um and I think that's yeah, that was that's always the the big joy of it, kind of finding the new tribes and places and people um, within this kind of thing that we're doing that kind of feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is cool. This is an interesting conversation. It's an interesting connection. And um, so, yeah, I always and I always do come back to this idea that, you know, what we what the bit of deep value of assembly is the stuff mm. in the corridors, it's the stuff yeah. like the coffees, it's the kind of um, every time. Know, yeah water cooler moments but you know long queue yeah. for coffee moments yeah. and uh, I think um yeah so I think what I liked about assembly was their attempt at trying to create that on stage as well yes um, I thought that was really creative I know it wasn't to everybody's cup of tea um and I think the two conversations were very different from one another mm. and um starkly so um at times but I think um Yes, I saw what it was trying to do. I think a lot of it, I felt like I saw what it was trying to do. There was also, there was just most gorgeous um, talk on uh, Jesus as autistic. Did you catch that? Yes, one? yeah, yeah. Oh, actually made me cry. I had to get, mm. like, I was I was loitering at the edge, feeling mm. socially awkward. And um, and the way the way he talked about using your, um, your uniqueness and, uh, even your awkwardness as a gift um and and what is it to you know to lean into this particular idea of of kind of Jesus as autistic and and the way he narrated it was so beautiful and clever and brilliant as well it was mm. just amazing um it was just a really beautiful two minute piece of theology it was yeah. stunning um and it just absolutely clobbered me <laughs> and I was like okay I could I the rest of assembly could not happen now this is this is clearly what God needed mm. to say to me today and um and yeah it was just amazing but he's yeah, yeah there is something isn't it and he's massive and busy and extrovert and you know and I'm a big extrovert but I forget mm. like come away mm. from that thing like I need to go and hide in a cupboard for the next yeah. 10 years <laughs> um, yeah so Big shout out to those who stayed long after and cleared up as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely right. Yeah. It's a big old job. Um, so Beth, we're going to finish with a blessing and we, fin we have a different blessing for each season. And this year, we're going to take a blessing uh, this year, this season from a book called Good Enough, 40-ish devotionals mm. for a life of imperfection, a book that we have both 
uh, found deeply joyful um, and helpful by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. And Kate Bowler has written a couple of super books, uh, No Cure for Being Human, I think it's the last one. And the one before that was Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, which is uh, excellent um, yeah. as well. But anyway, um, and there's a blessing in here that we're going to use. Um, and But, but if uh, friends are out there and they uh, want to be blessed, then the book is called Good Enough by Kate Bowler. And there's a lot of good stuff in here that I know uh, you've used in in work at college yeah they're brilliant i um i printed them all off um and, and then added a few more because uh, there were some unique to oxford ones and unique to college ones and um right yeah it's got lots of different blessings bless, like ordinary blessings mm. for ordinary things and um and i put them in little envelopes with a little you know kind of cute cross on and uh, stuck them onto my chaplaincy board with fairy lights and I just watched blessings go like a, the, the running joke being I've run out of blessings again and it's like <laughs> <laughs> like just this keeps like I must have got yeah I must have given away like maybe 100 blessings which is mm. pretty cool mm. um so yeah so um I've I've I found like I sat light to the chapters didn't read them like I glossed through them a bit they didn't mm. grab me as much but the blessings themselves are just just beautiful um mm. for this so that would be my theory but um other people may really get a lot out of the chapters i think it just depends where you are at. yeah uh, yeah and, uh, so send, anyway. us, send us out with a blessing so this one is a blessing for a joyfully mediocre journey blessed are you who realize there is simply not enough time money resources blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection. It's not, and you know that now. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here, and somehow that is good enough. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Beth, and thank you, listeners, for being with us. And I'll see you again next time. See you soon, everybody. Bye. Bye.